0: Hello, I am Richard Hong, and I'll be reading the scripture for today. Today we'll be reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. And I'll be reading from the NIV version, but you are welcome to read from whatever version you have So, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this command love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will also be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the reading of God's word.
1: forgiven and those of us here are included in that who follow christ we have been forgiven in christ by faith in him and this is of our sins past present and future that we have been declared righteous in his sight through faith in christ so why then do we who follow jesus still struggle with sin why is this, there is this inner battle within us why are we still selfish? Why do we still seek praise and adoration from others? Why do we get angry when we get, feel insulted or slighted or neglected by the people that we know? Why? Why do we still have such a self-focus? Well, we are sinful when we give in to the sinful nature. And we'll, we'll just explain that more. Uh, the sinful nature is the fallen nature that you and I and all humankind is uh, just God, almost like genetically, we could say, and spiritually, from the first, Adam and Eve, like that couple. When they rebelled against God, they, their nature was cursed, it was depraved, and that was passed on to all humankind. And when we give in control to this sinful nature, then we are sinful, just like everyone else who doesn't follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we sin, then, the, the fact is we damage the message of Christ to the world. As we see, when, especially if we're a public figure, then everybody knows about that. But on the other hand, when we live by the Spirit, we demonstrate God's love and compassion and forgiveness to the world because of the Spirit working in us, and we are following the Spirit. We're keeping in step with the Spirit. And as Jesus said himself about this in John 8, and now it's not working <laughs> it was working oh okay there we go uh in john not 8 by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another so the galatian believers struggled with this living as we've heard because of the circumcision group coming they either lived in the sense thinking like they needed to be legalistic by following and doing all the things right or they or the other extreme is to live by in license meaning like we've been forgiven in christ so we can pretty much do anything we want it doesn't matter because we're already forgiven you know it's a clean slate so it's either legalism or license and this is a common response to god's grace today uh, we either try to earn god's favor through legalism or we cheapen god's grace by license saying we can do whatever we want and that means we are really enslaved to sin still. We do not experience the true freedom we have in Christ Jesus. We sin because we give control to the sinful nature. We give into it and indulge it by following our sinful desires. But in Galatians 5.13, Paul, the author of Galatians, uh, reminds us as Christians that we are called to be free. You and I are called to be free in Christ free of this slavery to sin, free from our addiction and our slavery to this sinfulness in our lives. When you and I believe and follow Jesus, we are set free. That's the truth. We've got to hold on to that because freedom in Christ is not a license to sin but a motivation, really, to serve in the name of Christ. Galatians 5.13, our first verse of the text today says you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love so as i said we inherited this sinful nature from adam and eve and it's been passed down to all of us we can't get away from it as we hear in romans all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god we're all sinners we're born with a pride in ourselves, a selfishness, a rebellion against God. It's, it's our natural tendency. It's our inheritance. That's like our default. We will act this way unless we are helped. In some way, we are saved and rescued. And we see the sinful nature, especially, for example, uh, when you have small infants. And you, if you've ever been a part of a life of a small infant growing to be a toddler and then growing up, um, we do not need to teach them to be selfish, do we? No, that is their default. They're very self-focused. What do we have to be taught as people? We have to be taught how to share things, how to be nice to people, how to respect authority, how to obey. We have to be taught those good behaviors because they're not the natural tendency that goes within us. That is the sinful nature that we inherit. You know, this, this is our sinful nature, and it's the root of every problem of humankind in the world. And so man is not basically good. That is a pernicious lie, as we hear in our Sunday school class uh, on Sundays. No, mankind is basically evil. That's our default. But freedom in Christ does not promote selfishness. This is the, against our sinful nature, as we see this battle within. If we use our freedom in Christ as an advantage for our sinful nature, then it is selfishness. And this is not freedom at all. Why? Why? Because Jesus said in John 8, 34, he said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So we may say, oh, I've got freedom in Christ to do whatever I want, and I'm forgiven. And if we choose to sin, then we are actually s- enslaved still to sin. So there is no f- real freedom. There is no true freedom in Christ, even though we may logically say that we have that freedom. There's no true freedom, which then means there is no true faith that we have in Christ Jesus. Now, we can test ourselves to see how free we really are in Christ Jesus right now. We're going to do a pop test, okay? What do you do, or what do I do, we do, when we are alone? Or when we know there's nobody else watching us? What do we do, in a sense, per se, in secret? yeah that could be one thing yeah yeah so what do we do if it's if it's things that are dishonoring the god sinful then we know we are enslaved we're not experiencing the true freedom in christ yeah this is what often happens we see to christians say uh, some christians that go to college after they've been living at home and and they go off to college and they move away And then they get involved in sinful activities and they get pulled into this sinful lifestyle uh, and they you know willingly do that well what happened how come there's this big change from living at home and being a good kid basically and then they go off to college and they go wild right what happened well because at home when they lived with their parents and in that family they obeyed out of fear of punishment or being caught right so they kept to the line legalism right you got to do it you know, if I do this, 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 I'm going to be looked at as good. Or I'm not going to, get, I don't want to get punished, right? But then when there's no recourse in their minds, then they're, they disobey because they're, natu- they're enslaved to sin. So there's, their, their obedience isn't out of, originally their obedience is out of not being punished rather than the love they have for the Lord Jesus Christ or the love they have for their parents even. No, and so then the reality comes out of the sinful rebellion that still grips their hearts. And the same thing applies to us. Let's continue our evaluation of ourselves. Um, Think about the things that you feed your mind and your hearts. Like, what do you look at a lot? What do you watch? What do you read? What do you ingest in so many different ways? And are these things that are helping and enabling us to follow the Spirit and keeping step with the Spirit, or is it feeding our sinful nature and the ideas that are against God in some way? When we give into our sinful nature, we are sinful and not truly free in Christ Jesus. Verse 14 continues saying, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this one pastor did a sermon on this verse and a parishioner came to him after the service, and she just looked him in the face as she was shaking his hand and said, you try loving my neighbor. You know, (laughs) not an easy task. Well, from verses 13 and 14, we learn that freedom in Christ results in love and service. So this is evidence that we are free in Christ if we are serving out of the love that God has put in our heart. So think again, evaluate how are you serving how are you what are you doing in the sense how is the love that god has placed in you if you're a follower of jesus what are you doing to demonstrate that love toward others in some practical way it's called love in action freedom in christ jesus moves us to love and serve others in his name that is the reality if we really love someone we're moved to do something about it right otherwise it's just meaningless mumbo-jumbo right I love you but I'm not gonna spend any time with you <laughs> you know I'm too busy there's something like that that's not gonna go well for a relationship by the way you know uh, just some advice there God is the best example of this he loved the world so much right what did he do he sent his son Jesus God the son in the flesh to die for us so that we can be forgiven you know, we can be redeemed that we can have eternal life. That is love in action. And therefore, through faith in Jesus, we are set free to love others as He has loved us and demonstrated. Again, I say Jesus doesn't do anything, and He doesn't ask us to do anything that He hasn't already done as an example. This is true freedom in Christ. But do we really love our neighbor, if we think about it? Evaluate that. Do you really love your neighbor? Now, what is a neighbor? Uh, Jesus defined in another parable that it's really anybody that's in your life that you have contact with. It could be the person on the bus sitting next to you, then that's your neighbor right there. But also the people that are regularly in our lives, like our boss or a teacher or classmates, fellow students, whatever it may be, your family members, and the people that live next door. What we usually think of when we say neighbor. Our freedom in Christ results in intentionally serving them and loving them to bring glory to the Lord God. This is freedom Jesus gives to all who believe in him. But the Apostle Paul teaches that the reality is, and for Christians, and what we experience is this battle within, which is this battle between the spirit versus our sinful nature, this depraved nature we've, we've inherited from Adam and Eve. And verses 17 and 18 describe this battles. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do sorry that so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The battle within is a conflict of desires, the desire of the spirit and the desire of our sinful nature. The spirit, meaning the spirit of the Lord God himself dwelling within us through faith. The word from the original Greek translated in the NIV here uh, as the word desires is also translated in other Bible translations as the word lust. And what this word carries in this meaning is an over-desire. Uh, an inordinate desire, an all-controlling drive and longing. That's the feeling here, these desires of the sinful nature or the desires of the Spirit are in battle. See, the main problem of our heart isn't that we desire bad things. It's that we over-desire good things. We pursue these good things quote, good things too much and they become a God and so they, these over-desires, these inordinate desires become focused on these, quote, good things which then become evil things because we are solely focused on them to provide us with worth, it seems. Paul says that sinful desires become deep things that drive us and control us and then sin creates in us this feeling that we must have this. I got to get married, right? If that's pursuing, I got to be married, then is that becoming a God to us? I got to have this, I got to have that, or whatever it is. And if a person does not have the spirit of God, then there's really actually no real battle within us. Uh, No ongoing inner struggle. Jesus, uh, I mean, uh, Jesus. uh, Paul also wrote about this in Romans 8, 9. He said, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ... They do not belong to Christ. So there's no real inner battle. Uh, We're just given over and we are still enslaved to the sinful nature. There's clear evidence in the life of each of us of which is winning the battle. And Paul makes it very clear because he describes the winning spoils in the sense. And the evidence for the sinful nature getting the upper hand is listed in verses 19 through 21. Let me read those again. The acts of the flesh or the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, notice there are three words here in verse 19 having to do with sexuality. First, sexual immorality, which is simply just sex between two unmarried people. Uh, Impurity, referring here to sexual practices and relationships, uh, unnatural sexual practices and relationships. Then there's debauchery, which just is like uncontrolled sexuality. And then there are two words in verse 20 having to do with religion, that's idolatry and witchcraft. And then there are comes the eight words that describe how s- the sinful nature destroys relationships. And the first or the f- there's four words that are destructive attitudes. That, those are hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition and envy, and then four words that describe the results of these sp- these unhealthy or destructive attitudes, and those words are discord, fits of rage, dissensions, factions. And we can see this happen sometimes even within our church communities, unfortunately. And then finally, there's the two words that refer to substance abuse, right? Drunkenness and orgies. And orgies here means like drunken orgies, Uh, orgies of getting together and just getting drunk, like plastered, Uh, and not here referring to sexual orgies. So those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this does not mean that if we get drunk once that we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. No. But it's talking about a lifestyle of these things. Something that's continual and ongoing, and it's your life habit and practice. If that's the case, then you are not really free in Christ. You are not following Christ. You're not trusting in him as Lord. And so, obviously, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we should never take lightly the desires of our sinful nature and say, ah, yeah, you know, I know I do that, you know, but I'm not really going to think about it that much. Uh, because if we do, it would be like, for example, when Mount Pinatubo, you might have heard about or read about this in the Philippines. Uh, we got some Filip- people from the Philippines here. Uh, yeah, Mount Pinatubo, just all of a sudden, it was a sleeping giant and then it roared back to life after 600 years of being dormant. And if 500 people lost their lives, the United States was forced to abandon abandon a strategic air base at that time. Property damage at that time was estimated to be about a billion dollars. And so when asked about to, why was there such incredible destruction about this volcano, um, a research scientist from the Philippines, Department of Volcanology, Uh, observed, and I quote, saying, when a volcano is silent for many years, our people forget that it's a volcano and begin to treat it like a mountain. That's exactly what happened. 600 years silent, right? They all moved in and settled around the mountain, and then it just blew up. And like Mount Pinatubo, our sinful nature has the potential to erupt and cause great harm to you and to the people around you whenever we don't pay attention to it and take it seriously. And we just treat it like a dormant mountain in that sense. In contrast, though, the Spirit produces this fruit that grows into these characteristics that are great um, advantage and benefit to those around us and ourselves. And there's no damage there. Verses 22 and 23 talk about this. They describe this fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What's really interesting here is the Greek, original Greek for the word fruit is singular. <coughs> Excuse me. Singular, that means that these things come in a package, in a bundle. Right? They're all together. If we have the Spirit of God, and actually if you look at these, they're, they're describing the, the, the character of Christ. And so when the Spirit of Christ indwells us by faith, then, these, then our spirit is being transformed to show these things and they become evident more and more as we follow Christ or as we keep in step with the Spirit, the wording that's used in our text. But unfortunately, we don't often look for these characteristics, um, these fruit of the Spirit. Instead, we often focus on how much Bible does this somebody know? or you know how many verses have you memorized or what are you doing how are you serving in the church you know uh, oh wow they serve so much you know they're super spiritual yeah <laughs> no but then have you ever known these quote mature church leaders that really don't show any joy or peace or even just like kindness <laughs> you know some people i meet say yeah I'm, I'm just straight to the point i'm you know i just speak my mind you know and i'm like yeah but where's your kindness <laughs> This gentleness, you know, you might take pride in that, but it's like, it doesn't seem to explain the, or show the spirit of God that should be in there somewhere, you know, <laughs> and how long have you been walking with Christ? 30 years, you know, it's like, wow, you know, I would think something should be evident by now, um, but this is a tragedy if we don't see that in our, our, our leaders in a church, there's got to be some evidence of the fruit coming out, and this is absolutely important because there's got to be evidence of the spirit of God in there, because if they don't belong to Christ, right? They don't have the Spirit. So uh, there's got to be evidence. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And when we live in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will start to bear itself through us because he is within us. 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon uh, used this illustration. I like it. See if you can follow along with it. Um, I quote, there are overshot water wheels and undershot. And in one case, the motive power falls from above. Water comes down and pushes the wheel that way. In other other cases, the water turns the wheel from below. The first is more powerful. And people, like wheels, are turned by forces from various sources. And too many are moved by the undercurrent, the mercenary desires, the selfish aims that drive them. But the good person's driving force falls from above, referring to the Lord. And so this battle within, the, between the Holy Spirit and our sinful nature is happening. But how do we win this battle? How do we win? Well, thankfully, our text gives us guidance. In verse 16, and 24 and 25. Verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now well, it's pretty general, but how, how do we win this battle within? Well, first we can say, crucify our sinful nature, or we have been crucified with Christ. It's passive, right? but here it it seems to imply we need to do something about it. We need to crucify our sinful nature. It's similar to what Jesus stated in uh, Luke chapter 9. He said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So deny ourselves by the power of the Spirit within us. When a sinful desire is identified, then deny that desire deny ourselves in the power of Christ we cannot do that without Christ otherwise you just like okay I'm gonna go do that you know <laughs> but there's no there's no check or balance unless we have the spirit of God within us you know it's our choice it's a choice on our part a moment-to-moment decision of when we deal with these desires these sinful desires daily we get to crucify our sinful nature because we have been crucified with Christ Our sinful nature is dead. But we need to keep crucifying it. And that's an active part on our part is in the sense claiming the truth that I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. That's the truth. So sinful desires, you're dead. And so we got to like in a sense nail our sinful desires up on the cross and let them die there. But reality is it takes some time for somebody to die on the cross. So we often were like, yeah, I've been crucified with Christ, but oh, I really want this thing, so I'm going to go take the nails out of my sinful desire there and <laughs> get it back, and give them CPR and get it back and working you know, again so I can follow that. And then again, we're, we're enslaved to our sinful desires. And then also, we win the battle within, we see in our text, by keeping step with the Spirit. And passively, we are led by the Spirit, but actively, we keep in step with, With the Spirit. And it is time to focus more and more, brothers and sisters, on being in Christ rather than just doing things for Christ. What I mean is, like, being with Christ. We just learned today in our Sunday school class that eternal life, Jesus defined eternal life as knowing Him and knowing the Father. That's eternal life. Knowing, not about Him knowing him in relationship. That's life, is when we know him and we have communion with him and we have intimacy with him. Uh, even in the Old Testament, some translations use the word like Adam knew Eve, meaning Adam had intercourse with Eve and then they had their son. That's how that intimacy there, it's a similar kind of word as in the sense that, that intimate communion. We know him and that is our eternal life. That's real life. And so keeping in step with the Spirit means investing time to be with the Lord in consciousness, intentional. I mean, God is always with us, right? But the thing is, are we with Him? Do we make that intentional time to be with Him, to pray to communicate, to read, to study, to learn, to understand and ask the questions about God and our lives Paul provided guidance for this in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. Maybe it's familiar to some of you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Would a lot of the stuff we read and watch, even for entertainment, fall into this category? I would have to say no. Is it, it is impossible to keep in step with the Spirit if we continue to ch- make choices to fill our minds and hearts with things that would actually lead us away from following the Lord God. You know, our freedom in Christ is through faith in Jesus, God the Son, risen from the dead, forgiver of sins, almighty creator of heaven and earth, But true faith then motivates us to obey, to take action. Remember, we are moved to action, to obedience, because of the love we have for Him. And in doing this, we are truly free from sin, and our sinful nature then has less and less influence over us. I want to use this example I've used before, but it's so good. It's about the cuckoo bird that is very common in England we all know the cuckoo bird because if you've heard a cuckoo clock cuckoo right but that's actually the noise they make cuckoo and in the early springtime in england you'll start hearing the first signs of spring is cuckoo you hear these cuckoo birds all over the place but what's interesting about the cuckoo bird is that they never build their own nest what they do is when they feel an egg coming on they look for a nest that already has eggs in it from another bird and they'll see the eggs there, and maybe the parent bird is off doing something, and so they'll swoop in secretly. They get in the nest, and they'll lay their egg, and then they get out of there. That's about all the parenting a cuckoo bird does. You know, (laughs) Just lay their egg in somebody else's nest. And then, so there's three eggs, and this is a picture of a thrush uh, nest with one cuckoo egg in there and three other thrush nest eggs. And then the thrush... Mrs. Thrush, whose nest it is, has been invaded, will come back to her nest and land in the nest and see, and her arithmetic's not very good, so she didn't realize there's an extra egg there, and she just starts getting busy and hatching her eggs. So she sits on her eggs, you know, and keeps them warm, and and then eventually they all hatch. Three little thrushes and one big cuckoo bird. Little bird. Anyway, it starts off little, right? And... Then what what happens is then she gets busy. Now she has to feed him, so she gets goes off early in the morning to get the worm, right? And she comes back, and as she's flying, ready to land, she sees these three little petite thrush mouths out there, you know, like birds do, the baby birds, and one huge cavernous cuckoo mouth. Guess who gets the worm? The cuckoo, (laughs) right? And so what happens over time is the cuckoo grows and grows the thrushes get smaller and smaller, and then eventually the nest isn't big enough, so one by one, the cuckoo bird throws the thrushes out of the nest, and naturally they fall to their deaths. And then the cuckoo bird is all that's left. And here's a picture of an adult thrush feeding a baby cuckoo bird that's three times the size of the thrush. And the cuckoo bird eventually gets big and then becomes an adult and flies away. And it's the same with us. We have two natures in one nest. And whatever nature we feed is going to grow bigger and bigger. And whatever nature we starve is going to diminish and get less and less. So which nature are you feeding? Your sinful nature or the fruit of the Spirit growing in you because we are keeping in step with the Spirit of God? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word and how it challenges us because this battle happens every moment within us. And we know we can be victorious in Christ if we just choose to follow you every moment of every day. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be evident in us here at Cornerstone more and more as we follow you as we identify the sinful areas of our lives and bring them under your control and continue to experience more and more freedom, true freedom that we have in you, Lord Jesus. And not only ourselves benefiting from this, but that the world will benefit. Those people that know us, work with us, study with us, live with us, Lord, or play with us. Lord, we, pr- we just... Pray that we would be known as your followers and that those who respond to your call will then come to faith and also follow you for your glory on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.